a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. It's 2022, and uh, I'm excited to bring you the Bing Crosby Show along with Fred Astaire as his guest. I just love when Fred Astaire guest stars on the Bing Crosby Show. I really think Fred could have had his own radio show that would have been as good as Bing's, probably, and uh, I just love his singing. I love, of course, his dancing, which really doesn't work in radio very well. <laughs> and um, Fred Astaire just, I don't know, there's just something about him that I just really, really enjoy. And these two together are close to as slick as... Bing is with Bob Hope. I mean, they're really nice together, really fun. So this is a fun episode. Uh, here's what it said about it in the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Times on February 6th, 1952. It said, Fred Astaire will guest star with Bing Crosby on his show tonight. The popular dancer and the old crooner will do a song parody titled Cops from the tune of the same name from Astaire's new film, The Bell of New York. Um, I just, I, I think you're gonna enjoy this. Let's see what they're gonna sing on here. Uh, they're gonna start with uh, Bing singing the song Slowpoke with the Rhythm Airs, then At Last, At Last, then a little comedy bit with Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, and Ken Carpenter, then a gay 90s sketch with the three of them. Then how do you do Viola Vaughn? Won't be a song that they sing. Uh, Undecided with Fred Astaire. Nobody's Sweetheart with the Dixieland group. The Chesterfield jingle with Fred Astaire chiming in. And Bing will close the night with I Still See... Eliza, Elisa, Eliza, yes. Anyway, I hope you're going to enjoy this evening's entertainment. And then, of course, following that, we will have another episode of Gordon McRae's Railroad Hour. And I think this one is Orange Blossom, if I remember right. And I hope you enjoy Orange Blossom with Gordon McRae. Should be a fun night of music. <laughs> Sound off, sound off, sound off for Chesterfield. Howdy folks, a big hello, we're here to start the Crosby Show. Before you do another thing, just take this tip from Brother B. Sound off, for Chesterfield, sound off, for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. 
Welcome you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the mayors, and Bing's guest, Mr. Fred Astaire. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I milked that pretty good. You really it? did. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today marks the beginning of National Boy Scout Week. So this evening, it gives me great pleasure to present a prominent member of the Screech Owl Patrol, Bing Crosby. <laughs> I want to spoil your attempt at levity there. I don't want to spoil your attempt at levity there, Ken, but I must point out that as a singer, I am not in the Screecher class. My trademark is the groan. I'm strictly from the groan. But to get along to the Boy Scouts, I think we should throw a salute to the members of this fine organization. Yeah, we certainly you? should. I presume you were once a Boy Scout, weren't you, Bing? Just as sure as I was once a boy. I was with the Mink... The Mink Patrol, very stylish Washington group. You, uh, you mean Washington, D.C. No, I no, no, the state of Washington. Washington, D.C. wasn't so expansive when I was a boy. Say, there were a lot of boys in your family. Were they all Boy Scouts? Yeah, Larry, Ted, Bob, all of us were Scouts. Many's the winter evening we'd spend at home in front of the fireplace, tying our brother Everett into knots. <laughs> Just Gee, I bet all you kids had fun back in those days, though. Ken, you'll never know. Hmm. I think I will. I've got a hunch you're going to tell That's me. That's right. <laughs> positively clairvoyant. You see, Ken, when we were boys in Spokane, we had a summer camp at a place called Spirit Lake. That's a spirit. Now watch it. All right. There was a Boy Scout camp on one side of the lake, and on the other side, there was a Girl Scout camp. <laughs> see, we used to send the mushiest smoke signals back and forth. <laughs> I'll bet. You know, I became acquainted with one of the girls by Indian telegraphy. We became very good friends. I'll say, this sounds exciting. Oh, it was. All summer, we went berry picking in the woods, mm -hmm. and in the fall, we went hazelnutting. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, that was her name, hazelnutting. <laughs> hazelnutting. Mm. Was she pretty? Nutting. <laughs> I guess at the time, though, you know, when you're young, she seemed like a walking dream. I'll never forget her pigtails, her flappy midi blouse, the braces on her teeth, and how her, her long underwear bunched up under her black cotton stocking. <laughs> You two had some times together Yes You know, Hazel was the bugler for her troop oh, was she? Yes, sir Boy, she had a lip on her trip a pig <laughs> But Ken, I must pass along This reminis reminiscing of my youth Is bringing a tear to my John DeStike Ken, I think I'd better get on to the opening selection Which is dedicated to Hazel Nutting Whatever she may be John Scott oh, You keep me waiting till it's getting aggravating. You're a slow poke. I wait and worry, but you never seem to hurry. You're a slow poke. Time means nothing to you. I wait and then here you come late again. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, quarter to ten Why should I linger every time you snap your finger, little slowpoke? 
Why can't you hasten when you see the times I'm wasting? You're a slowpoke, my dear. Why should I keep trying to change you? Not the thing to do. I guess I'll have to learn to be a slowpoke too. Should I linger every time you snap your finger, little slowpoke? Why can't you hasten when you see the times are wasting? Such a slowpoke, my dear. Why should I keep trying to change you? Not the thing to do. I guess I'll have to learn to be a slowpoke too. Guess I'll have to learn to be a slow pope too. Folks from all over the country, sales reports are coming, showing Chesterfield sales up in city after city, town after town. Yes, Chesterfields are moving fast everywhere you go. And here are the reasons. Chesterfields are much milder, and they give you the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. 1,564 tobacco growers tell you that Chesterfields are milder. You'll see how much milder when you smoke them. The added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste has been confirmed by a leading research organization, an added protection you'll enjoy when you smoke Chesterfields. Pretty soon now, you'll hear me telling you about Chesterfield sales increasing in your hometown, just as they're increasing fast in Portland, Maine, Mobile, Alabama, Billings, Montana, Sacramento, California, and places all over. Meanwhile, sound off for Chesterfield. For the first time, you'll get the cigarette that's much milder, with the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. The best cigarette for you. Try a pack of Chesterfields today. Another French tune has hit our shores. This one is by the French singer and composer Charles Trenet with a lyric by Miss Florence Phillips. Should be not a dream warm and real close to me at last at last you're mine to love you're mine to love forevermore mine to hold Mine to be living for Kiss me and say You always will stay For come what may My darling right or wrong This is where you belong This is where you belong At last, at last, you're all my own 
And all my lonely days are past Mine to hold, mine to love Here at last At last, at last I love you so At last, at last It's you I know I've waited for to have and hold forevermore. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, folks, I'm honored to present one of the great, one of the really great, all-time, all-around talents in this business of ours, this show business. Fellow whom I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with for a good many years. Here now, through the courtesy of Metro-Golden-Mayer Studio, is Mr. Fred Astaire. Thank you, Bing. Fred, Thank you're you. looking great. Really, oh. you are. Full of bounce. You really came out here on the bounce. You're really in the pink. You haven't changed a bit since I saw you last. When, when was that? When did I see you last? Uh... Last night. <laughs> Fred, you've done it. You've broken the code of the radio guest star. What do you mean? Well, for the sake of conversation, you should act as if we haven't seen each other for months, for ages. That way we can ask each other a lot of questions, you oh, say. Oh, yes, yes. Now, let's start over. Fred, you're looking great. You haven't changed a bit since I saw you last. When was that, anyway? Last night, and I'm sorry I saw you. <laughs> well, we've got to start somewhere. Now, just to commence this chit-chat, I want to tell you, I see all your pictures, and I must say that your dancing improves with age. Well, I see all your pictures, Bing, and I must say you've aged, too. <laughs> I heard you left out a little word there, improves. Oh, I'm, line, but... I'm sorry, Bing. Well, I forgive you, because yeah. I realize that your eyes aren't what they used to be. And... Forget it, it's a word or two. Mm. Well, since, uh, since television came along, who's are? <laughs> you said it. You spoke a book. You yeah, spoke I a know, big yeah, book there, boy. It's a funny thing, Fred. Here we are standing here, you and I knocking television. You know, before long, we're both going to be on it. Well, until we get a good offer, let's be real nasty. Yeah, let's sure. <laughs> Sink it in there, good. It's the only attitude to take, after all. Now, where were we before we digress there for a moment? I, I believe you were remarking on how my dancing has improved. <laughs> Your memory's pretty acute, too, isn't it? <laughs> well, I will say it's amazing, Fred, how you dance and leap around the scene. What are you taking, anyway? Four-way dance tablets? Or... <laughs> huh? No, but, but I keep in shape. I train. You should get more exercise, too. Well, now, you interest me. What, uh, what do you suggest I do? Well, for instance, every morning, bright and early, I leap out of bed. Well, you just lost me, right? <laughs> Uh, don't just lay there Do something about well, yourself Fred, now wait Wait, after I do exercise I think I have a pretty good physique mm, Take a look at my physique Well, it's all right if you like bones <laughs> Knee bones connected to the thigh bones <laughs> I, I try to keep thin And uh, what are you taking? Four-way spread tablets? <laughs> Fred, you've heard me, my friend To say a thing like that <laughs> that, that has done it I will be in the gym promptly at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Well, for the first few days, just sit there and watch the others. Don't lift anything. <laughs> I can lift good enough. After all, I've been carrying hope for years, and that's no itty-bitty bundle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Incidentally, Bing, I, I've been meaning to congratulate you and Bob. On what? On being invited not to attend the British Amateur Golf Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> That was sort of a nod invitation, wasn't yes, it? Yes, but to the point. Yes, mm. it's true. You saw the story in the papers yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. Well, Fred, I don't really blame the British newspaper, that particular one. I think it was the London Star for taking a crack at Bob and me. After all, we must always consider, always remember, that the British never quite got over the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> you know, uh, you and Bob should never have gone to that party. Now, wait... <laughs> Fred, I give you my word of honor, I had no idea we were going to dump all that tea in Boston Harbor that way. You knew no, you we did. No, no, oh. no. Hope told me we were doing a USO show for some British seamen. That's all I know. <laughs> Next thing I knew, we're all dressed up like Indians and we're hacking away at those bundles of tea. <laughs> well, that party is over and you can take your Indian suit off now. This is my straight stuff I'm wearing oh. tonight. <laughs> now, let's get up to date, get away from the tea party. I want to tell you... Fred, I caught the, the picture, the Bella New York, your new picture, new Technicolor picture. I saw it the other night. Well, uh, that'll help you when we discuss money later. Yes. <laughs> but Fred, getting back to the Bella New York, I think, I really think that its rich, lush, gay 90s theme might cue us into a little sketch, eh? Yes. You know, I could, uh, you and I could play a couple of dandies of that era. We might even wear high-button shoes. How nice. You won't have to change. Yes, I've got my yellow ones on. <laughs> I got the two toners on tonight. I brought oh, them up lovely. to date, though. I got the plastic buttons. Broder, will you get us in the mood with a little before the turn of the century music, eh? This is the year 1890. Fulton had invented the steamboat. 1890. Whitney had invented the cotton gin. 1890. Milani was working on his French dressing. <laughs> Back to the days of the gaslight in the horse car. Back to the days of the bustle, if you care to go back that far. <laughs> Our story concerns two of the town's young blades, Harry Crosby and Frederick Astaire. Two of the dullest blades ever honed. <laughs> but they are keen for the same girl. We now take you to the home of Miss Viola Vaughn, the belle of New York. Young Frederick Astaire bounds up the stairs of her house and rings the doorbell. Sorry, the doorbell hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> Boy, I hope Viola's home. Frederick! Viola. Frederick, you come right on in. I can see by that package you're carrying, you brought me a gift. Yes, ma'am. Here, open it up. Oh, thank you. Oh, Frederick, just what I wanted. A monogrammed asafidity bag. <laughs> Frederick. Oh, please, Viola, don't breathe so heavy. You're fogging up my chicken inspector badge. <laughs> oh, dear, I'm sorry. H here, let me take your things. Oh, thanks. Here's my coat and cane. Thank you. And my derby. <laughs> I like them tight. Come on over and sit with me on the sofa. Hmm? Okay. I'll, I'll sit real close to you like this. Oh, my. Now, now I'll lean up next to you like this. Oh, oh, dear. Now I'll take your arm and put it around my shoulder like this. Oh, Frederick, what now? Ever see blue surge like that for $10? <laughs> oh, you're such a tease. Oh, but isn't it wonderful being alone together? J just wait a minute. I think I hear somebody coming up the front steps. I hope it isn't my rival for your hand, Harry Crosby. 
It's the doorbell. Yeah, they invented it in the meantime. I'll see who it is, Frederick. Why, it's Harry and his mandolin. How do you do, Viola Vaughn? How do you do? How do you do, Viola Vaughn? How are you? Oh, your lover boy is here, so get out the cheese and beer. How do you do? Good night, shirt. I'll meet you in the wash. Oh, you <laughs> Come right in, Harry. I don't mind if I do. Here, hold my mandolin while I pull the pick off my finger. <laughs> I like them tight. Like... <laughs> but hold out your hand, Viola. I brought a present for you. Why, Harry, how nice. Oh, it's just what I wanted. A monogrammed asafidity bag. <laughs> But what can I do with two asafidity bags? You can use one for each fidity. Well, anyway, it was very thoughtful of you, Harry. I'm going to give your hand a great big squeeze. Oh, 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 careful, Viola. Oops, my boiled shirt front rolled up on me. <laughs> Control myself. You look so cute in your mutton chop whiskers. Yeah, just like a mutton. Oh, yeah, who asked you? By the way, what are you doing here with my girlfriend anyway? What do you mean, your girlfriend? She's my girl. I've been coming here and sitting on the sofa with her every night for two years. Well, so what? I got squatter's rights. <laughs> now, 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 stop calling you two. Oh, daughter! Daughter! Oh, you see, you've disturbed father. Yes, papa? Have you got young men down there with you? Yes, Papa. It's Harry Crosby and Frederick Astaire. Oh. It's all right, Ma. She ain't no danger. <laughs> well, we better go out in the porch and sit in the swing. You go get the fudge in the kitchen, Frederick, and we'll wait outside for you. Oh, fudge. Now you watch your language, Fred Astaire. I should say so. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Harry. Gosh, it's dark out here. Hook your shirt back down and sit here with me in the swing. Oh, gosh, all hemlock. Let her flap. <laughs> hey, what's going on out here? <laughs> oh, nothing. Nothing. We, we, we were just sitting. Oh, yeah? Well, what about the lipstick smeared on your mouth? But I don't wear lipstick. It's mine. <laughs> What a dude. <laughs> All right, what do you fellas think you're pulling around here trifling with my daughter? Your intentions honorable or dishonorable? You mean we have a choice? <laughs> now, that's what I call a square deal. Oh, he's a nice man. He's a lovely well, man. Well, I ain't gonna have no more carrying on till I found out more about you two scallywags. Well, I'm not a fly-by-night like him, sir. I've got a good job. Oh, what do you do? I'm a street lamp lighter. Oh. How's business? It's been bad all week. Oh, you get out of here. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> oh, now, Papa, don't be so harsh with Bing and Freddy. Well, I wish you'd make up your mind which one you want. I don't want both of them cluttering up the house every night. Well, it's a difficult decision to make. I'm undecided. Grab your mandolin, Harry. I think we'd better sing the viola. Fred, this might kill it for both of us, but let's try it, huh? Right. <laughs> First, you say it's Bing that you adore. And then you say it's Fred that you're pining for 
you're undecided now so what are you gonna do now look i can sing a song well i can tap and you can have the dewey button that's on my cap admiral dewey that is you're undecided now so what are you gonna do well really boys i just can't make up my mind you're both so corny it's an eight ball we're behind you're the shilly shally kind and you change your silly mind on the hour since the moment that we met you have kept us both upset you've been playing hard to get like eisenhower now look at honeyland you're wasting time so won't you draw a straw yes come on get off the dime you're undecided now so what are you gonna do oh, but i have so many other offers you got fellas, so you say, who propose most every day, want to carry you away to Bermuda. Or maybe what you say is right, mm -hmm. but we're not inclined to bite, because uh -uh. we think your story might be barracuda. It's fishy. Say, listen, Bing. Yes? Let's uh, brush this chick. I hear you talking, Fred. Let's brush her real quick. Mm -hmm. We're undivided now, and that's how it's gonna stay. No undecided gal is gonna bust us up today. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred, and thank you, Viola Vaughn. Now, if you'll excuse me, I shall deliver nobody's sweetheart as a ballad on team. Buddy Cole, will you drop a nickel in the piano there? Are you nobody's sweetheart now? They don't baby you somehow With your fancy hose and your silken gowns You'd be out of place in your own hometown When you walk down the avenue Mama, I just can't believe that it's you. Painted lips, painted eyes, wearing a bird of paradise. It all seems wrong somehow, but you're no. Oh 
off for Chesterfield here. Good. Ready? Fred, here's some advice for your nimble feet. I'll give you a tip that can't be beat. Tap on down to your dealer's store and get the smoke that gives you more. Chesterfield. Chesterfield. Milder, so much milder, milder Chesterfield. That's right. Now about your vocalizing bing, yes. I'll tell you how you ought to sing. Shoulders back and chest thrown out for the milder smoke. Just give the shout. Now that's what you want me to do right now? Yes, that's what I want you to do right now. Sound off for Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today. Mm. <laughs> now, I'll get the Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. You sounded very authentic in there, I thought. Folks, whether you walk, run, or dance, get on over to your dealers and sound off for Chesterfield. Join the millions who are changing to Chesterfield, enjoying the cigarette that's much milder with the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. In the Broadway show Paint Your Wagon, Jim Barton, who you may recall as my father-in-law, and here comes the groom, sings a beautiful ballad. I still see Elisa, she keeps on returning As breathless and young as ever I still hear Elisa, still feel a yearning To hold her against me again her heart was made of holidays Her smile was made of dawn Her laughter was an April song That echoes on and on Since I saw Elisa The shadows are falling And winter is calling but I still see Elisa Whenever I dream of Friends, thus endeth waltz time for this evening. Hmm? <laughs> Who's going to waltz through this clam bake with you next week, Bing? Oh, Fred, next week we're loaded. Our guests are going to be Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. So you may expect a gripping and intriguing drama, the locale of which will be the jungles of darkest Africa. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Fred. See you soon now. We'll be back with you next Wednesday night, folks. Meanwhile, what are you waiting for? Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. For the first time, you'll get the cigarette that's much milder with the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. <laughs> Thank you.
Morton Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Fred Astaire can currently be seen in the MGM Technicolor picture, The Bell of New York, with Vera Ellen, Marjorie Maine, and Keenan Wynn. Transcribed. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents Victor Herbert's charming operetta, Orange Blossoms. Starring Gordon McRae and his charming guest, Evelyn Case. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In Victor Herbert's charming operetta, Orange Blossoms, I play Roger Belmont, and lovely Evelyn Case is Kitty, the girl who gets kissed in the dark. Oh, that kiss in the dark was to him just a lark, but to her You're my lawyer, Brassic. Do something. Well, Roger, what do you want me to do? Well, it's spring and I'm in love. I want you to help me. Well, they didn't teach us about these things in law school. Brassic, there's only one woman alive in the whole world as far as I'm concerned. Well, who is it this time? Ruth? No. Mary? No. Sheila? Absolutely not. Helen. Oh, I, I thought I'd been in love before, Brassic, but Helen tops them all. It's true that I'm susceptible to ladies. It's true that I'm a weakness for their charms. I have always found it simple to succumb to just a dimple or an ankle or a lovely pair of arms. But now my mad philandering is over. Those maids of just one charm have left my mind. For my new love's a complete thing I have found the only sweet thing Who has all the other charmers' charms combined Though I've always played about I can say without a doubt This time it's love For 
the thumping of my heart seems to whisper from the start. This time it's love. She has made this weary world a fairyland, and the skies are blue above. I have felt this way before in my small affairs of yore, but this time it's love. Though he's always played about, he can stay without a doubt. This time it's love. Cause the thumping of his heart seemed to whisper from the start. This time it's love. She has made this weary world Maryland, and the skies are blue above. I have felt this way before in my small affairs of yore, but this time it's love. Brassic, I want to marry Helen, but, well, there's a problem. Maybe we can solve it legally. Well, let's get all this down on paper. Uh, what's her full name? Helen de Vaquet. Oh, a divorcee, isn't she? Yes. Aunt Mary and I both met Helen on the Riviera. I loved her immediately. And Aunt Mary loathed her. So, she said, if ever I saw Helen again, she'd disinherit me. <laughs> but you saw her anyhow? No. No, Helen left the Riviera a few days later. I would have followed her, but Aunt Mary became ill. And naturally, as her prospective heir, my place was by her side. Naturally, by the time Aunt Mary died, I, I had forgotten. You had forgotten Madame de Vasquez? Oh, no, no, no. I'd forgotten her address. Anyhow, I saw her again, never saw her again, until I met her by chance last week. Now we're engaged to be married. I see. Brasek, my aunt left me $17 million. A sum I have the greatest respect for. <laughs> well, almost as respectable as uh, $18 million. Ah, but in her will, she says that I can only inherit that money if I marry within the year. And if I do not marry any woman who is the divorced wife of a Brazilian subject. Helen's former husband, was he Brazilian? Yes. What can I do, Brasek? I don't want to lose Helen. And I don't want to lose the money. Well, why not marry someone else? Just temporarily, a marriage of convenience. At the end of a year, you can get a divorce and, and marry Helen. Where can I find a woman who'd do that? I know just the lady. All right. I'm in your hands. I can't say that I care very much for the idea. Well, Kitty, I have to have someone I can trust, and after all, you are my godchild. That isn't necessarily a guarantee that you can trust me. Well, you you can use the money. Yes. Well, then what's the matter? Oh, nothing really. It's just that, like every other girl in the world, I've had my own dreams of spring and love and orange blossoms. In every girl's heart, there is a dream, a golden dream of orange blossoms. She always comes to start with that bouquet of orange blossoms So until her 
are all in love with you. You had better run along and play. You are sweet as morning dew. I won't listen to a word you say. Tilly, darling, please be fair with us. You are just a pack of flirts. We are after you, you dear. You are after anything in skirt. Don't you like the way we play? If you'd like to look them over, Kitty. If you say they're all right, I'll sign them. Well, there's a clause stating that if anything develops of a personal nature between you and the gentleman, you forfeit the settlement. His fiancée insisted on that. And she's quite a jealous woman. She doesn't have to worry about anything of a personal nature developing under circumstances like these. There, that's signed. Oh, uh, come in. I'm sorry I'm late. My car stalled in traffic. Roger. What? You've met. Why, I don't believe I've had the pleasure. I'm sorry. For a moment, I thought we had. Well, this is the young lady. Kissy, may I present Roger Belmont. And Roger, this is my godchild, Miss Winthrop. If you wouldn't mind waiting in the next room, Roger, we're just completing the arrangement. Why, of course. It's a pleasure to meet you, Miss Winthrop. So that's the man. What's the matter, Kissy? Of course he wouldn't remember. Why should he? I was just a schoolgirl. I recall a mad
course I remember now. We were both such children that I had almost forgotten. That's all right, Roger. Oh, that was love in all its power. Yet today it seems like a sweet but fleeting hour in the land of dreams. the second act of Orange Blossoms in just a moment. Hear them? The whistles of the freight trains? Well, maybe I'm just imagining it, but it does seem to me that in that familiar sound there is an added note of pride. Anyhow, today's freight trains have good reason to be proud. For in 1951, the average freight train set a new record in serving you by hauling more tons of freight and hauling them faster than ever before. The railroad set that new efficiency record while doing the second largest job of hauling they have ever done in peacetime. And the important point is, you could not have lived as well as you did. The nation could not have had the goods and materials needed for commerce and defense without the kind and quantity of railroad service performed in 1951. Now, the reason the railroads have been able to do these bigger jobs and do them better stems largely from the fact that since the end of World War II, they have spent over $6 billion on improvements. That money, an average of over $1 billion a year, has bought the new and better equipment and facilities that have given the nation continually better railroad service. However, while the railroads hauled a near-record volume of traffic with record-breaking efficiency in 1951... Their net earnings were way down. And the reason is that the wages, prices, and taxes they must pay have gone up so much more than the rates they can charge. That's why, as the railroads carry on with their essential improvement program, it is so important to all of us that they be allowed adequate freight rates. Only then will they be able to keep on raising the money needed for the continued improvement that can alone give America the transportation it needs. 
for commerce and defense. for the second act of Orange Blossom, starring Gordon McRae and his guest, Evelyn Case. Oh, that kiss in the dark was to him just a lark, but to her So Kitty and I were married. I rented a house for her and she lived there alone. I hardly ever saw her. Since Helen was my fiancée, she naturally resented any display of affection on my part towards my wife. However, I did go out to see Kitty with my attorney on the day before she was to file for divorce. I wasn't nearly as happy about the whole thing as I thought I would be. But I left the room so Kitty could talk to the lawyer alone. Out on the veranda, I didn't mean to eavesdrop... Yet, well, you know how it is when they're talking about you. Well, Kitty, are you happy? Why should I be happy? The year is up. Now you can get your divorce, collect your settlement, and live the way you want to live. The way I want to live? If I could live the way I really want to live, I'd live here with Roger. It's only... I'm a philanderer, a heel, I'm a bum. I... I know it, you're no good at all. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. As a matter of fact, I don't like you at all. I just want to stay married to you. Now, Kitty, you'll be a free woman tomorrow. You'll meet lots of attractive men. But how could anyone be as attractive as you are? Well, you're right about that. It doesn't matter to you how I feel, does it? All that matters is how Helen feels. No, that isn't all. Kitty, you've got to find a man and be happy, too. Why, any man would fall for you. Tell them all to run along and play. You are sweet as morning dew. I won't listen to a word you say. Kitty, darling, do yourself be fair. Men are all a pack of blood. Find one for whom you care. Men are after anything in And Don't you like the way men play? I ask them not to tarry. Then they'll go, you know. I wish 
yourself today. Now, Kitty, everything's going to be all right for you. I'm sure of it. Well, living here alone has probably made you over-sentimental. I'm sure tomorrow you'll feel a great deal differently. Are you? I'm positive. You tell her that, Roger. You can make her understand. Kitty, these days are trying, but they can never last. Worry will soon be buried in so though we know it is hard for us to bear, bravely we'll face this nighttime of despair. Then comes the dawning of morning, so splendid that fair tomorrow when sorrow is ended. The darkest hour must come and go before the dawn begins to glow. And so although our troubles seem double in gray light, they disappear in the clear sunny pass along then comes the dawning and life is like
Roger. Don't you know? I love you. Well, I must say, this is a pretty picture. Helen. Uh, Helen, this is my wife. Uh, Kitty, this is my fiancé. How do you How do? do? You do? <laughs> You've broken the terms of your agreement, you know, Roger. It is stated in the contract most clearly, nothing of a personal nature is to develop between you two. All right. I forfeited the settlement. You can keep your money. I wouldn't touch it anyway. Kitty. Don't worry. I won't spoil your little romance. I never want to see you again. Is that clear, Roger? I hope you're both very happy. Kitty. Let her go, my dear. You know you hate women who make scenes. Thank goodness she'll be out of your life for good tomorrow. Ellen. Yes, darling. Goodbye. What did you say? I said goodbye. Modern marriage, a, a marriage of convenience. You know as well as I do, a fellow can't get along without modern conveniences. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, thanks to Isabel Jewell, Howard McNair, and to our entire company. Orange Blossoms, with music by Victor Herbert and book and lyrics by Fred de Graysock and B.G. De Silva, was dramatized for The Railroad Hour by Gene Holloway. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroads. Last year, Americans lived better and America grew stronger as the nation's productive might swelled. And your railroad, an essential part of all production, whether for commerce or defense, did their part, setting a new record for efficiency and hauling a near-record peacetime volume of freight. Despite that fact, railroad earnings continued to fall as expenses went up faster and farther than railroad rates and revenues. Today, as the railroads carry on with their billion-dollar-a-year program of investment in better facilities for better service, it's important to all of us that they be allowed to earn the money they need for that program. Now, here again is charming Evelyn Case. Thank you, Gordon. Tell me, do you have this trouble every week on the railroad hour, trying to decide which girl to marry? Well, Evelyn, it seems as if every story in the musical theater was written to be played on just one instrument, the triangle. No, no, Carmen, not the musical triangle, the eternal triangle. <laughs> Who are the corners of your triangle next week, Gordon? Well, one corner is the devil, Mephistopheles himself, where I'm going to play the author of Faust, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. 
And the prettier corner of the triangle will be the gracious star of pictures and Broadway, lovely Patricia Morris. It must be Franz Lehar's delightful Federica. Well, that's right, Evelyn. Will you listen to see if I get the girl? No, I already know. But I'll listen anyway. Good night, Gordon. Good night, Evelyn. All aboard. Well, friends, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next Monday night and Frederica, this is Gordon McRae saying good night. <laughs> Orange Blossoms was presented by special arrangement with the Tams Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae can be seen starring in Warner Brothers' Starlift. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroads. Now keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. Preceding was transcribed. Hear Barbara Gibson on the telephone hour next on NBC.